Jules from NZ, a podcast chocker with all things Aotearoa New Zealand and some about me, Jules. Cheer. Hey Jules, it's Joe. I really, really, really hope you do an episode on the Wizard of New Zealand. I saw a little blurb in the Wheeler Woe Discord about it, but I didn't want to read it because I want to hear it from you. So please, please, please put out an episode. It's fascinating. I need to know. Peace out. Kia ora, tēnā koutou katoa. Hello and welcome back to all of you to Jules from NZ. How are you all? I am good. You heard a desperate plea from Joey of Hindsightless there at the top. So what have we got in store on Jules from NZ today? Well, Joey, just for you and everybody else who messaged me about it, here's a very magical episode on New Zealand's very own wizard. Treasures from the Vault So, Aotearoa has its own wizard. Yup, and the story of how that came to be is super fascinating. It's one that I've been meaning to share for a while now, so I'm sad it's taken me until now. Sad for reasons I'll go into later. But for now, let's focus on the fun and the history of it all. Let's start with a name. Ian Brackenberry Channel was born on 4th of December 1932 in London, England. Educated at Framlingham College in Suffolk and from 1945 to 1951 at Bromley Grammar School for Boys, now Ravensbourne School. From 1951 to 1953, he served in the Royal Air Force as an airman. And in 1963, he graduated from the University of Leeds with a double honours degree in psychology and sociology. From there, he moved to Australia, ran the community arts program at the University of Western Australia as part of the Adult Education Board. And in 1967, he joined the teaching staff of the newly opened School of Sociology at the University of New South Wales in Sydney. During this time, there was a rush of movement in supporting race relations causes and the typical 60s free love movement hit Australia causing a push against the government, and he created a direct action reform movement called ALF, Action for Love and Freedom. He implemented this with what he announced to be the Fun Revolution. With not everyone being such a fan of his activism, there were some job changes and periods of financial hardship, as you'd expect. But he kept fighting the good fight anyway. He was able to persuade the Melbourne University's Union Activities Department to appoint him their unpaid cosmic cosmologer, living work of art, and shaman. The vice-chancellor gave him the use of the old pathology lecture theatre for his classes in synthetic cosmology, and the director of the National Gallery of Victoria accepted the offer of his live body as a living work of art. At this time, shocked when the Student Pacifist Society sent money to the Viet Cong, he founded Elf's Imperial Army, devoted to sensational but non-violent warfare and regularly organised battles on campus. He also founded the Imperial British Conservative Party to provide a counterbalance to international capitalism and the various forms of Nazism. C. Fighting the Right Way it's 1974 when Channel travelled to our shores. Settling in Christchurch, he began to speak on a ladder in Cathedral Square, probably a throwback to Speaker's Corner in his hometown. 
Back then, not everyone was a fan, and the city tried to have him arrested several times for shouting his ideals in people's faces. But he was so popular with the people that they gave up, and they made the square an official public speaking area. So wearing his pointy wizard's hat that he refers to as the costume of the false prophet of the Church of England, he speaks there in the summer months. But speaking there is definitely not all that he's done. Oh no. (laughs) He confronted telecom over the colour of the public telephone boxes, played for the local rugby team, heckled Christian evangelist Ray Comfort, evaded the compulsory census, and performed rain dances in Canterbury, Auckland, and the Australian Outback. He made an upside-down map using the Hobo Dyer projection, which placed New Zealand and Australia as top centre. He wrote an autobiography titled My Life is a Miracle in 1998. He was the subject of two documentaries, one of them The Wizard of New Zealand QSM, directed by Grant John Neville and director of photography Carlos Filipov is a documentary that follows the life of the first man in the modern world to be appointed as a, by a government as an official wizard. The documentary includes interviews with the wizard, Mike Moore, and many others. The film was actually awarded Best Short Documentary at the Beijing International Film Festival in 2010 and the Best Film of Real People at the official Best of the Fest in 2010. The second was The Wizard and the Commodore, Chatham's Islands, New Zealand, directed by Samuel A. Miller, which follows the Wizard of New Zealand on a trip to the Chatham Islands, about 900 kilometres east of mainland New Zealand. He was also present at the official reopening of Omaru Airport on the 6th of August 2006, where he claims to have cast a successful spell to disperse the fog that was preventing the first flight from landing. Well, the first flight landed and the fog did disperse, so who's to say it wasn't his spell? In 1995, he took it to the next level of everything he'd previously done, and with the help of Christchurch City's mayor, he hosted a wizard's conclave. Visiting colleagues gathered to help build a wizard's nest on the top of the University Library Tower to witness the New Zealand wizard hatching from a giant egg in the City Art Gallery, skydiving whilst chanting a spell for a major rugby match and performing various rituals around the city. Soon afterwards, accompanied by 42 assistant wizards, he came down by gondola from the Port Hills with tablets bearing the address of his new website. If that's not crazy enough to be a living work of art and also a wizard and also kind of wicked, I, I, don't, I don't know how else to explain this to you. But Jules, how did he get the name? Well, I'm glad you asked. In 1982, actually, the New Zealand Art Gallery Directors Association issued a statement that, in their opinion, the wizard was an authentic living work of art and the city council appointed him Wizard of Christchurch. And in 1990, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, Mike Moore, an old friend, appointed him the official Wizard of New Zealand. And thus, he was forever after. He even has an official New Zealand driver's license, which just states, The Wizard. He initially provided his services for free. In 1998, the Christchurch City Council actually signed a contract with him to provide acts of wizardry and other wizard-like services as part of promotional work for the city of Christchurch for an annual fee of 16000 The wizard also receives financial support from his partner, Alice Flett, which is how he survives. <laughs>
The Wizard was awarded the Queen's Service Medal and 2009 Queen's Birthday Honours for the service to the community. But not everyone is a fan, again. On the 8th of September 2003, the Wizard's large wooden house was destroyed by a fire, which Christchurch police treated as arson. The Wizard, his partner and their two boarders were lucky to escape with their lives, and the Wizard's extensive book and video collections were destroyed. And the Wizard Mobile, which is constructed from the front halves of two V-Dub Beetles stuck together, was also attacked and damaged. And that's just sacrilege, frankly. After the February 2011 Christchurch earthquake, the Wizard actually planned to retire and permanently leave Christchurch, saying the town he had loved was gone and it was the end of an era. After it was announced by the Canterbury Earthquake Recovery Authority and the Anglican Bishop that the remains of the Christchurch Cathedral that is basically in tatters would be demolished, the wizard returned to Christchurch to oppose the demolition. Indeed, perhaps his voice lent sway to a preservation ideal because it stands still and will be preserved in a reconstruction. The wizard continues to speak on the need to preserve Christchurch heritage buildings. Getting older now, he would be 88 this year, in fact. Being the wizard got harder, and since 2014, Ari Freeman has been the wizard's apprentice. In October 2021, the New Zealand Council ended its contract with the wizard after two decades of service. This decision was reportedly due to the wizard's criticism of Christchurch's new tourism strategy and controversial remarks about women. Now, to be fair... The joke he told was within a comedy show about how he's never hit a woman and wouldn't because women bruise too easy was a bit on the freaking nose. It's a joke, I get it, but it's not a joke that's terribly funny and it still makes me uncomfortable even to think about it now. So I kind of get Christchurch City Council decision on that. I mean, how do you continue to support someone who said something like that, even in jest? So, the council has met with the wizard and sent him a letter thanking him for his services to Christchurch over the past decades and informing him that we are bringing our formal contractual arrangement to a close, said Lynn McAllen, the council's assistant chief executive, and she said the final payment will be made in December. The wizard did say he was disappointed but will continue to appear in the city. He has been quoted as saying that he will continue his magical duties no matter what. I will still keep going. They will have to kill me to stop me, he said. It's just because they don't like me because they're boring old bureaucrats and everyone likes me and no one likes them. Which is pretty typical of something the wizard has said multiple times and pretty typical of stuff that he says in general. So Channel's life and work are actually the subject of a current exhibit at the ongoing Christchurch Heritage Festival, which is ironically sponsored by the City Council. The event description notes that Christchurch is the only city in the world to have had its own official wizard since 1982. By that time, it adds, Channel had already become the world's first art gallery appointed living work of art. For 40 years, neither title nor accompanying roles have been granted to anyone else anywhere in the world, the organisers wrote. He not only created his own social identity, but includes living in an alchemical marriage, but as an ex-academic cultural theorist and experimentalist, he designed the existential universe he has been living in since 1972. And indeed, the wizard even has this to say about himself. 
Although almost completely out of control by others, so far he has avoided being arrested or given psychotherapy and is still working on synthetic cosmology whilst keeping the people of New Zealand entertained. With such a wide-ranging and original background, there is something for everyone who has any curiosity left after being blitzed by the mass education and mass media institutions. You can read more about the wizard in his own words on his website, www.wizard.gen.nz, where he has announced he's just published his second ebook, The Fun Revolution, Jack's Adventures in Ideology Land, and that's available on Amazon too. You can also find his essays there on art, idiot dynamics, detailed accounts of his adventures, and multiple podcast links and text PDFs of the podcast. And thus the story of the living legend, educator, comedian, illusionist and politician Ian Brackenbury Channel, The Wizard of New Zealand, ends. I hope you enjoyed that slice of Aotearoa. And that's all for today. A big personal thanks to my gems. James, Jason, Barry, Laren, KP, Ezekiel and Joey. I could not do what I do without you. Um, next week's episode is probably all about uh, RPG catch-ups and what I've been up to lately because it has been a lot. If you're enjoying listening to Jules from NZ, please give the show a review on the platform of your choice. It all helps. Inohora, kakite ano, much love from me. Until next time, goodbye.